0: Uh, we're going to jump straight in this morning because there's, there's so much teaching that, uh, that I feel God wants us to, to uh, He wants to reveal to us this morning and so we're going we're to jump straight in. Uh, enough to say that um, we're in the middle of a series called the Red Series and basically that means that we are sitting under the teaching of the words of Jesus that everything that we do through this series will be based around the core text will be something that Jesus himself taught, Jesus himself said. It may be a rebuke, it may be an encouragement, it may be a parable, but um, I love it. I love the scriptures, but more than anything in the scriptures, I love sitting under the teachings of Jesus. So why don't we just just prepare our hearts to receive whatever it is that God wants to speak um, through all of us this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? loving heavenly father we we do we sit before you as you as we open your word and we seek to understand your truth would you give us discernment would you give us wisdom would you set a light in us a fire that burns for you that uh, could never be quenched that when the things of the enemy may come against us lord that that fire would burn them out because not only do we know jesus the lord our lord and savior but we know we know who it is that He follows and who it is that He serves, and that is you, Lord God. So, Father, we thank you for Your Word, and we pray as we open it up now that You would minister into our hearts and all those who believe that Jesus is Lord. See, Amen. Amen, Amen. Hey, have you ever been to a reunion? Have you ever ever been to a maybe it was a, a school reunion, maybe it was a, a, a premiership? You know that that year that that we all won the premiership and you go back for the, to, to reminisce. Maybe it was a, a cruise or a trip. You met some people and you have a reunion. You go back and you get together again and talk a bit about that. Or maybe you were part of a band in the 80s and you have the reunion and you look at the, the weird hairstyles and what you used to do. And, or maybe a family reunion where you haven't seen each other. You live in other, other countries and you gather together. Hands up who's been to a, re, a reunion of some sort or another before. Yeah, heaps, look at that, awesome. I went to a a 20-year school reunion a few years ago. (laughs) And um, it was so good to catch up with people that I hadn't seen since I was sort of 17 or 18. Um, You know, we were catching up on what what they'd been up to. People were getting out their, their, um, their wallets and showing photos of the kids that they had. And we were kind of looking going, you married... You can you know, you, you sort of think about what they were like when they were 13, 14, 15, 16, and we hadn't seen them for 20 years, and we're laughing about how we'd all changed and how some people had more hair in places that they shouldn't, like their ears and their nose, and maybe less on areas that they maybe should have, maybe on their hair. The, we laughed at one another, and we're having a great time. And then halfway through the night, um, one lady came up to me, one woman came up to me, and, and um, there was quite a few there. So there were quite a few people that we were sort of getting around to meeting and some we remembered and some we didn't remember and we all had name tags on. And this one woman came up to me and she was really quite upset. And she said to me, she said, I'm really upset. In fact, I'm angry. I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I said? What have I done? And she said, I'm really upset and angry because your group never accepted me into your group when we were at school. And I said, I said, sorry, she said, she said, I wanted to be part of the group that you were part of. And your group never accepted me into that, into that group. And I thought to myself for a minute, I, I was saddened because I'd, I'd hate to think that, you know, you would hurt or upset anyone. But the, the more overwhelming emotion was, it's been 20 years since we'd been at school. And this woman, who still had, it wasn't just like, a, oh, you know, is it was like there was still this, this there was this anger within her that she'd carried for 20 years, this hurt, this bitterness, this unforgiveness. And I wonder this morning, um, as we open up the Scriptures in a moment, if there's someone in your life whom has hurt you, someone that has really hurt you, maybe just recently, maybe it was this morning. We won't go into that, the husbands and wives who are sitting there looking straight forward and not looking at each other. <laughs> Um, or maybe it's been over 10 15 20 who knows? but maybe there's a hurt that you're carrying maybe you're aware of it maybe you're not maybe you were bullied at school maybe maybe it's a family member that that you're you've disconnected from and, and you're carrying hurt from that maybe it's an old friend someone you worked with in the past maybe it's a person from a previous church maybe it's a person from this church maybe it's even a leader within the life of this church Maybe there's someone who spread lies about you. Maybe there's someone whose words and actions have impacted you so significantly. You carry that with you. I wonder when I say that if somebody might come to mind for you. I wonder whether you're still carrying it. As I said, maybe it's even recent. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. And today, we're going to unpack this whole idea of Forgiveness. And uh, I would encourage you, no matter where you're at in your journey right now, not to switch off, because when you hang around people enough, you know that every one of us needs to forgive at some some stage or another. And if you think, well, maybe, maybe not me, if you hang around me long enough, I need you to be able to forgive, because I know that I'm going to let you down, because I know that I'm not perfect. And if we're truthful and honest, we all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we're also going to need forgiveness. And we're also going to need to extend it. But today what I want to do is I want to look at a moment when one of the disciples <clears throat> just starts to think that he's got Jesus worked out. He just starts to think, I reckon, I reckon I've got Jesus. I was going to say I've got Jesus nailed. That would be the wrong phrase <laughs> to you. <laughs> I'm glad we've got a sense of humor in this church. I, I reckon I've got him worked out. I've, I've got his measure now. And then Jesus comes and he does this incredible... You know, I'm going to use the word "God slap" because I don't know about you, but for me sometimes it's like God gives me a God slap. Have you seen that that ad? Kaz, I remember you sharing a message around this once. The fisherman's, fisherman's friends, the, the hot, um, the lollies, the lozenges. Remember that ad with the fisherman's friend? And the, you know, you put it in, and then this guy'd come up with the fish and go "whack!" and it was like it was a strong taste. I kind of feel like this is a moment where Jesus just goes. With this disciple and it's just this awareness comes up, up. this profound lesson that Jesus teaches and it's out of Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to start reading from verse 21. I'm going to read from the amplified version. It says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as seven times? Let's just pause. So I wonder whether Simon, Simon Peter, and, and his brother Andrew have had a bit of a blue here. And he says, How many times must my brother sin against me? And it's like, how many times do I have to forgive Andrew? It's like time and time and time again. But I think he thought, Simon Peter thought, I've got this worked out. Because what happened according to Jewish tradition, forgiveness should be granted up to three times. That was the tradition in those days, the Jewish tradition. The rabbis said. Forgive up to three times. It's like three strikes and you're out. Once you've forgiven up to three times, anything after that, open slather. You've you've done well to forgive three times. Rabbis had put a boundary around forgiveness. But Peter's trying to understand this new teaching of Jesus, this merciful heart of Jesus. So what he thinks is right. If I double the rabbi tradition, if I double the Jewish tradition and add one, Jesus, I reckon I've got you covered. I reckon I've just about got it right. I love watching the way Simon Peter works. But Jesus answers with one of the most shocking statements in the Scriptures, and he jolts Peter, and he jolts the apostles into a brand new way of thinking. He says this in verse 22. Jesus answers him, I tell you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. So, I can see all of, the, all of the mathematicians now getting the calculator out right. 70 times 7, 490. Is that right? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. That's correct. So, that was great. 490. So, does that mean 490 times I forgive and 491? Oh, good. That's not the way it works, mathematicians. That's not Jesus' point. In essence, Jesus' answer is forgiveness is not limited. Jesus says, there is no limit on forgiveness. There's no number. There's no amount. He's bringing this whole new teaching and challenging the disciples. Jesus is showing the disciples and he's showing us that we are to extend unlimited forgiveness. And he knew how difficult this was to comprehend. He knew that this wasn't just a a line you, you throw out there, oh, 70 times 7. He wasn't just trying that because he came right behind it with this beautiful parable. We're going to read it together in verse 23. And he he wrote this, or he spoke this, he shared this to help you and I to understand it. Because I've got to tell you, forgiveness doesn't end. Like, I, I have to continue to forgive. I don't understand that. My mind does not get my head around that. So let's understand what Jesus is trying to get at when he says, just continue to forgive. Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which was probably several several million dollars, about $10 million. So he owed him a fair amount of money. And because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. He ordered him to slavery. And his wife and his children and everything that they possessed and pay, until payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees, begging him, have, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him. Amplified Version says he cancelled the debt. So he not only said, okay, that's fine, off you go and, and pay me when you are He forgave him and then said, and by the way, the 10 mil, don't worry about it. He forgave him and cancelled the debt. Just let that sit for a minute. How many of you have got big housing loans? How many? None. Is it just me that's got a housing loan? Okay. Wow, this is a generous church. I've got a housing loan. How cool would it be for someone to go, you know what, mus? Got it covered. Feel, 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 free. feel free. Where do I get to? Okay, verse 28. But the same attendant, so the same attendant who just not only been, been said, you know what, you can go, you've got this debt, you can go, but I've got it covered, it's cancelled. The same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him 100 denarii, 100 denarii, roughly $20. And he caught him by the throat and he said, you pay what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down begging him earnestly, give me time and I'll pay you all. But he was unwilling and he went out and he had him put into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, there's two things there. One, goodness gracious, he comes away from a situation like that and a guy owes him $20 and he can't let it go. And secondly, he puts him in jail. How's he going to pay the debt off if he's in jail? So he's not thinking at all. He's not allowing what God's done, what this man's done, to flow through him. So he was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he could pay the debt. When his fellow attendant saw what, was hap- what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everyone that had taken place, what had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, you contemptible, wicked attendant, I forgave and cancelled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers till he could or should pay all that he owed. And then Jesus said, so Jesus stops, finishes the parable, and he says this, so also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offense. Wow. So he's not saying if, he's saying the way you should do it. In other words, each of us have an offense. Each of us, have situations in our lives where we need to forgive. And he's saying, don't be like the steward. Don't be like the attendant. Did you get it? When it comes to following Jesus, one of the most challenging things you and I are called to do is to forgive one another. Because Jesus knows how tough it is. You know, is. We, we're not talking about something that's really simple. Sometimes we are hurt so badly, it's damaged us so much. And our God knows that pain. And I know some of you are sitting here right now and you may not be doing it physically, but you're, you're spiritually and emotionally, you've got your arms folded and you're going, but you don't know, Murray. You don't know the pain that this person caused, this situation caused. You don't understand. Those moments when we're hurt, when someone we love is hurt, it's this natural inclination for us to want to hold it over them want to see them hurt back, want to see them pay for what they've done. But God's word is just so clear about how hypocritical that is for us who follow Jesus. He says, we can't be right with God and be wrong with others. He says, if, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you can't sit in a place where you, you love God and you're right with God, and yet with others, there's this thing, this thing holding over. This thing that gets in the way. You know, no matter how deeply someone has hurt or robbed me, it can't compare to my sin against God. Let me say that again. No matter how much somebody's hurt me, and I can give you a list, I can give you their names, probably still give you their phone, but no I can't. No matter how much people have hurt me, it cannot compare to the pain and the hurt and the sacrifice that Jesus went through for me. Forgiveness is realizing the human condition isn't perfect and that we all make mistakes. Forgiveness is allowing the flood of God's love to cover and to be poured out and to lay over everything. Everything. Forgiveness becomes soul regenerating, soul refining. Forgiveness is undeserved. Forgiveness is undeserved. The forgiveness that God has given me is undeserved. I don't deserve what Jesus did for me. And can I be as bold as to say, you don't deserve what Jesus did for you. It's saying God is greater than all the wrongdoing of the world. So forgiving others is one of the hardest things to do. Perhaps I could say forgiveness is also the most Christ-like thing we could do. The most Christ-like thing we can do is look at that person who's, who's, who's imposed pain on us and forgiven them, given over forgiveness. So many of us are looking for answers. Why me in situations? Why did I get treated that way? But unforgiveness will always keep us in the past and keep us away from peace. See, God wants to bring peace. But unforgiveness holds us back in that place of pain and holds us there, and holds us there, and holds us there. And Jesus knew it. And so when he taught about this whole idea of giving forgiveness, he taught it knowing how tough it was for you and I, but knowing the fruit and the peace that comes when we truly give. Unforgiveness brings a life of constant conflict. If you're taking notes, unforgiveness brings a life of constant conflict. If we're not prepared to get to that place where we hand it over, there will be turmoil that we carry with us. I'll prove them wrong. I'll get back at them. Or maybe it's this victim mentality you start to live under. Sadly, so many people live with this internal conflict, and we become miserable, and we never find happiness or peace because this resentment starts to torture us. And some of you right now, and and in some ways I apologize because I don't want to take you back to that place, but we need to so that we can let it go. But some of you right now are remembering that, that situation, that circumstance, those words, that action. And you know how painful it is. And yet, Jesus is saying, we'll stay in that place of conflict unless we're prepared to do something about it. Resentment becomes torture. How many know angry? being angry isn't fun? How many know bitterness isn't fun? How many know unforgiveness is not fun? It's a constant conflict on the inside. Emotions, anxiety, always being part of our world if we live with unforgiveness. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something they have to forgive. Because you, you hear me say this, you go, that, that's spot on, Murray. Preach it. And then when I think about the area that I'm holding unforgiveness on, I go, oh, don't preach it. It's... A great example of this is, is in the Disney movie Frozen um, where the great theologian Elsa sings, let it go, let it No, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. Yeah. <laughs> You'll say, let it go. <laughs> let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Let it go. And I wonder whether we can't learn something from a Disney movie where just like we, we heard that song, parents, heard that song over and over and over and over. And my kids were older. I feel for those of you who had um, toddlers and l- younger than that. But that's, I, I think in some ways that's what we need to do. Jesus is saying, will you let it go? That's what Jesus is saying we need to do. The spirit of an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth That brings conflict. Payback, revenge, always brings ongoing conflict and no resolution. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Put simply, forgiveness brings freedom. We have a choice. We have a choice. Ross is out with youth. We were, Ross and I were chatting prior to church this morning, and they're talking about unforgiveness too. And I, I said to Ross, I'm just, just going to, th- there's two words I want to use and, and uh, ask people, we've got a choice here. And Ross, Ross is going to use this same thing out with our kids. So if you've got teenagers, you can ask them, which one are you going to choose? But before you ask them, why don't you ask yourself? We have a choice here. We're going to either hold a grudge or we're going to hold our God. And there's no in between. God says, God says, if you're holding a grudge, then, then you're letting go of me, because I'm calling you to a place of freedom. But then he says, if you, if, you, if you embrace me and you let go, watch the freedom that I bring for you. Watch the freedom that I bring. I was chatting with Brooke a few years ago, about this whole, my daughter Brooke, with this whole idea about forgiveness. And she said, you know, Dad, it's almost like freedom's not a place, it's a choice, And I just went, whoa, there's a mic drop moment. We don't get to a place of freedom. We have a choice to step into freedom. They're the mouth of babes. We have a decision to press in and receive. The past will rule you if you let it. Write that down. The past will rule you if you let it. So we're not called to live in the past. We're called to learn from the past, live in the present with our eyes on what's to come. We carry past into our present and it drives our future unless we renew our mind, change our attitude and experience transformation. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is a great passage on transforming a mind. Don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, Paul writes, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, forgiveness is the way we think. Renewal of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's all well and good for you, Murray. You don't understand. I don't. I don't understand your situation, but maybe if I share one of my situations, maybe it might be helpful. So many of you know that I was in the fire service, Um, I was in the Metropolitan Fire Brigade for eight years, and then I got out of the fire brigade for a little while and then got back into the CFA. I want to talk about that time in between. The reason that I got out of the fire service was I also was running a business with um, a friend that, uh, that I met through church and uh, it was a blind and curtain business and I was doing sales for a blind and curtain business which we were running. I met this met this guy at church, seemed like a really lovely guy and had this idea about a business and I had some time on my days off and so we went into business together. wasn't a smart move. I didn't do due diligence. There was a whole lot of things I should have done that I know in hindsight I didn't do. <clears throat> but... Um, in the early 90s where Paul Keating said it was the recession we had to have, many of you would be, remember that time, tough time financially, the business started to go down and I had a decision to make. I could either um, leave the fire service and try and keep that business afloat put all my time and effort into the fire service or, um, or let it go and I, and I, and I just, you know, see what happens and i really wanted to felt it was important to to pay our debtors and do the right thing and and get the business back up and running again so so i did i left the fire service and we went in full-time my my partner um you know not put pressure on but suggested i do that and i did anyway the business leveled out a little bit but continued on on a bad way but without me knowing it around about the same time that um Many of you heard Kaz preach a few few weeks ago about um, we had a daughter in between Brooke and Casey, Courtney, who died of cot death at 11 weeks of age. Around about the same time that Courtney passed away, my my business partner went into personal bankruptcy and um, silly, but we'd signed personal guarantees. Both partners had signed personal guarantees over the business. So all of a sudden, we were grieving the loss of a daughter and... um, He went into personal bankruptcy, which means all of the people that we owed came after Kaz and I to the point where, you know, we had people knocking at the door wanting to take out the car office. The sheriff wanted to take the car office and a whole lot of things happened. And um, it was a really tough time in our life. And and I was really bitter that this guy didn't even have a conversation with me, just went into personal bankruptcy and and then kind of went missing. And um, it was tough. It was a really difficult time for us trying to deal with the grief of, of losing a child and, and then losing a business and, and eventually losing a home. Um, it was a really, really difficult time. And so I carried, just being really transparent now, I carried pain, turmoil, angerness, bitterness for the way that this guy did what he did. And it took a long time before somebody got alongside me and said, Murray, do you realize what you're doing? And what, I, what he, he showed me, he said, the longer you hold onto this bitterness, the more that situation will drive your life. And you need to let it go. Thanks, Elsa. You need to let it go, focus on God, and let God take your way forward. He said, let go of the grudge and grab a hold of God. And over time, it didn't happen in a heartbeat. But over time, I was able to do that. And now if I, if I met that guy in the street, I w- we would catch up. I would chat with him. And I'd, I'd actually really sincerely would love to know what's, what's happened with his life. Sincerely. I can only explain it that as I, as I reached out to God, that God did something in here that helped me with that unforgiveness. It wasn't Murray being strong. Murray, it was just me grabbing hold of God and saying, God, will you help me with my unforgiveness? I forgive. Will you help me with my unforgiveness? And he's helped and he's done that. It's about finding resolve. It's about breaking free of conflict so we can smash the power of the past and enter into the peace of the present. You see, Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. He wants to bring that peace to you and I. So I wonder if unforgiveness is blocking your breakthrough. I wonder this morning if you've been praying for a breakthrough. You've been praying for God to bring breakthrough and it's not been happening. And I wonder whether, and I'm not saying it is this, but I wonder whether it's because you're holding on to unforgiveness. And God's waiting for you to grab a hold of him to let that go. That he might be able to bring the breakthrough you're praying for. for. But there's a block in that prayer because you're holding on to this unforgiveness of the past. When God says, will you let it go? Will you give it to me? It's time to be set free from the past. It's time to allow Jesus, who forgave everything in us, when when he... defeated unforgiveness on the cross you know that's what he did don't you he defeated unforgiveness when he when he died on that cross think about it the mob was crying crucify him crucify him and his response was father forgive them they don't know what they're doing they were stabbing him he died the most horrific death and just before he died unforgiveness uh, sorry forgiveness beautiful forgiveness father forgive them they don't know what they're doing but it wasn't just jesus remember Stephen? Stephen did the same thing in Acts chapter 7. While they were crushing the life out of him, stoning him, he cries out to God, God, don't hold this against them. And then he dies. In the face of that opposition, Jesus, Stephen refused to live at the level of those who oppressed him. He refused to live at that level. Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who who sinned against us. We pray that prayer all the time. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those. Forgive, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. That prayer is saying we're, we're in this constant idea, this constant attitude, this constant prayer of forgiveness. And perhaps for some of us, we need to accept the forgiveness that God has offered you and I. You know you're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. The late 1800s author, poet, and Christian minister George MacDonald said, forgiveness is the giving and the receiving of life. Church, forgiveness is critical here. If we're to function in a healthy way as a church community, we have to be able to forgive. We have to know that each of us... Not, not willingly, but each of us in some way, shape, or form are going to let each other down. We're going to say things that we don't agree with. We're, our emphasis is going to be in a different area than what we agree with. Things are going to be encouraged in different ways that we don't agree with. But unless we're prepared to have those conversations, I'm not saying you just put up with, we have the conversations, but we've got to get to a place where we can forgive. Because when we're in that place as a church community, there is something that happens in us and through us where Jesus is alive and at work, where people see and go, what is about that community? Forgiveness is critical if we're to function in a healthy way. Unforgiveness, it's a serious sin. There's no such thing as a relationship where offenses won't happen. I've offended Kaz. Kaz has offended me but we continue to come with a heart of forgiveness or we at least try to come with a heart of forgiveness. We all need forgiveness in the future and we all need to give forgiveness now. Somebody told John Wesley one time, I could never forgive that person. They were having a conversation about forgiveness. He's, and somebody said to John Wesley, I could never forgive that person. And Wesley said, then I hope you never sin. Oh. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, passion, and anger. No more shouts or insults. No more hateful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another. And forgive one another as God has forgiven in Christ Jesus. Forgive as God has forgiven. So maybe... For you this morning, the forgiveness that you need to bring is forgiving forgiving God. Maybe for you, you've been praying about something and God hasn't brought it through. God hasn't answered your prayers the way you want. And somewhere in there, it's become a bitterness between you and God. Maybe this morning, God's revealing that. And it's time for you to forgive God. Forgive God, that's a bit. Some of us may be holding on to some stuff and it's okay. He knows. He knows how you're feeling. God, I'm sorry. seems funny to pray, God, I forgive you. But if that's how you feel, maybe you've got to give that to him. Maybe he didn't answer your prayers. Maybe you blame God for the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're, you're carrying the pain that's caused bitterness. Maybe God hasn't healed you. He hasn't answered your prayer yet, and there's something happening there. So maybe you need to forgive your heavenly father. Or maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe for some of us this morning, we're just, we can't forgive ourselves. And that stopped us from connecting deeply with our father because we can't forgive ourselves. <clears throat> Same thing. You're going to hold on to the grudge. You're going to hold on to that. You're going to hold on to God. You're going to press into him. Perhaps you've never considered forgiving yourself. But Murray, you don't understand what I've done. You You don't understand my life. No, I don't. God does. He says, I love you. I love you this much. And when I said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I said it for you in this moment. He says, I forgive you, so please forgive yourself. After Jesus had been brutalized, bashed, abused, mocked, humiliated, hung on a cross to die, the most excruciating death, one of the last things out of his mouth. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So, really briefly, just to finish. What does it mean to forgive? Firstly, It means to relinquish your right to get even. If you want to truly forgive, let go of the right to get even. Secondly, it means to respond to evil with good. Ah, That's a hard one. respond to the evil that's been imposed upon you with good. Resentment doesn't work. Give and accept forgiveness. Relinquish your right to get even. Respond to evil with good. And thirdly, refocus on God's plan. Refocused on God's plan for your life. It's a new day. A clean, fresh start. A start that says, I'm coming with a heart to forgive just like my Saviour forgave. Relinquish, respond, refocus. Because if we don't, unforgiveness is an open invitation for the enemy to come and bring bondage to our lives. And Jesus came to set the captives free. This morning... God wants to set those who are holding on to unforgiveness free. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth about this whole era of forgiveness. And he says, when you, forgave, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. When I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. We've got to forgive To put a hand up to the enemy and say, you've got no place here. Because there is no unforgiveness here. I'm not holding on to bitterness. You've got no place here, Satan. Now, forgiveness doesn't accept the action. So just because you're forgiving someone doesn't mean what they did was right. Hear this. This is really important. When we forgive, we're not saying, oh, what they did. No, no, no. What they did was wrong. I'm just going to extend forgiveness. So you're not accepting the action. It doesn't make you a doormat. In fact, it makes you a strong and powerful warrior for Jesus. Forgiveness doesn't demand revenge or payment. And forgiveness doesn't mean blind trust. To forgive someone doesn't mean you're opening the door of your life for them to come in. If they've hurt you, trust and forgiveness are two different things. Forgiveness, Jesus says, I want you to give in a moment. Trust is built. So when we're forgiving someone, that doesn't mean the doors are open and come in and do it again. Do it again. God doesn't want us to be silly. He doesn't want us to be a doormat. He doesn't mean blind trust. But he does mean set what's here free. Remember, you and I are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's our call. I'm going to show you a video right now that's going to go for a a few minutes. It's a video, a documentary, and a song. And it's a song by Matthew West. And it's a song called Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you'll hear how the song came to be. But briefly, a lady by the name of Renee, a mother whose son was killed in a car accident, hit by a drunken driver. And she wrote to Matthew West and told the story. And he he wrote this incredible song. And I want you to watch this video, listen to the words of this song, and then I'll come and pray and close us out.
1: This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It's about a woman who did the impossible and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant.
2: Megan is um, a very joyful child and had a heart of gold. Beautiful, loved people, loved her family. Um, just a joy of my life. And um, when she was 20 years old, on May 11, 2002, uh, my sister-in-law came to the door to tell me that um, Megan had been in a car accident and she didn't make it. You know, my heart was so broken, and I looked at her and said, "No, you're kidding," and you know, still looking for her to tell me that that she's. This is not really true. That. Megan wasn't coming back home.
1: Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man get sentenced to 22 years in prison. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man. And so, she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead, and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there though. Renee went to the courts along with her family and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years.
2: He told me that day, at the, the day of the uh, hearing, that it didn't matter at this point. He said, you know, if, if the judge does not grant this for me, I want you to know that I am so grateful that you are willing to do this. And um, he said, and I will be okay. He said, I'll I'll be fine. But I'm just, he was blown away by the fact that we were willing to go before the judge and, and, you know, plead for him to not have to be there for 22 years.
3: away the last thing on your mind today, and it always goes to those who don't deserve it. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just to real takes. Everything you have to say the word. Forgiveness.
2: I was more than angry at Eric. I had so much rage inside of me. And yet the moment that I was able to look Eric in his eyes and tell him that I forgive him, you know, that was a moment that healing began for both of us.
3: It's always anger's own worst enemy. And even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's a whisper in your ear saying, set it free, forgiveness.
2: A judge and a jury telling you that it's okay to hold a grudge you know that's what the world says it's okay for you to feel that way which it is but yet those feelings they're inside of you eating away at you and and you don't want to live your life that way people who are not going to ever have someone say to them, I'm sorry for what I did, or I take responsibility for what I did, and you still have to forgive if you want to heal. It can
3: even set a prisoner free, there is no end to what its power can do, so let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace, the prisoner that it really frees is you.
2: You're not letting go of what happened. You know, it is wrong. It, it should never have happened. It is not okay. It doesn't mean that you're canceling any of that out. But once you are able to say those words and truly mean it, you know, um, then you do find that you're setting a prisoner free. And the prisoner truly is you. So
3: we have.
1: I was immediately inspired by Renee's story when I read it, but it took me a while to write her song. I kept her story in my guitar case for about two years, and I realized the reason why it was so difficult to write this song, Forgiveness, is because it's kind of hard to live that out. That's why the words of the chorus are sung in the form of a prayer. God, show me how. Help me to do the impossible. This story of forgiveness really makes me think that there's some pretty life-defining questions that all revolve around that one word, forgiveness. Questions like, is there somebody that I need to forgive, that I've been holding on to a grudge and it's weighing me down, every step's getting heavier and I just need to set it free. Another question is, is there someone that I need to go and uh, ask for forgiveness from, to say, I'm humbling myself, I'm sorry, no excuses, can we start over Another forgiveness question, one that Eric has had to deal with in prison is, can I ever forgive myself? What if loving the unlovable means having to learn how to love that person you see when you look in the mirror? Sometimes that's not an easy task, which really leads to the most significant forgiveness question of all, and it's this, have I ever let it really sink in, the message of God's forgiveness, what he's done for me through his son Jesus dying on a cross For my sins. Renee stood before that judge along with all of her family members, taking turns speaking on behalf of a guilty criminal and seeking mercy for him. I'm reminded that somebody has done that for me. Somebody has done that for you. His name is Jesus. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he do that? So that our stories could discover the healing, the victory, the redemption, the power, the freedom of one word, forgiveness.
0: So this morning, it's time. It's time for me. It's time for you. to release the power of forgiveness I believe that God has given many of us in this room a face or a moment a situation, a circumstance and he's showing us hurry it's time it's time to let it go it's time to let go of the grudge and grab a hold of me it's time to be set free Forgiveness is something that we need to step into. So I'm going to pray. And if you know that that's you, and you no longer want to live being chained by the past situation, the past circumstance, the past word, you know it's time to engage in this issue of forgiveness. And as Matthew West says in his song, and ask for God's help to forgive, and I would love to pray for you. And so we don't do this a lot, but I just feel it's it's a moment. This is a moment for many of us where we're going to experience breakthrough because he promises it. Jesus promises it. So the team are going to play a worship song and we're going to close out the service. But while they play, I'd encourage you to join me as we stand at the front and seek forgiveness and I'm going to pray over every person who says you know what Murray I want to experience I want to experience God's forgiveness for me and I want his power to forgive others I no longer want to be bound I want to be set free I want to live the rest of my life not carrying what I've been carrying so if that's you right now why don't you come forward and join me in the worship team we're going to to sing and then we're going to pray don't wait just come forward believing God is going to set us free this morning.